Today we're going to be talking about body clock and pregnancy. I'm so excited we're delving into this within our own framework. I always feel like shy declaring my name because Sadie and Adrian don't know me as this name. But obviously you can call me um, Borum if you want to. We have uh, Sadie as a guest with us if you just want to say hi. Hi everyone. Hey, oh, that was really sweet. (laughs) Uh, I'm just going order from who I see. We have Sabrina. Hey. Hello, everyone. And we have Adrian. Hi. And Sarish. Hi, everyone. Right. So uh, I guess like what triggered this conversation? Well, like lots of things. But I mean, I think for me personally, like I've been getting comments from cult kind of like, I don't even know if they're joking, like from whenever some, someone goes on mat leave, people are like, oh, when's it going to be you? And then um, I told Sarish and Sabrina, and they were like, that's so rude because you never know what someone's situation is. And that got me thinking about how, like, I just feel like there isn't enough conversation on it. So, um, yeah, like, what does body clock mean to you? So, Sarish, since you were the last person to say hello, what does this mean to you? <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're directing the question directly to me in terms of my personal experience, um, um, I mean, it, the term itself, I felt like I felt like if you just break down the term, it it necessarily just means the clock of the body, but it specifically refers to women, and um, uh, what I find most intriguing is that it's I think it always depends on which society you're in and what is expected within that specific society to be you're running out of time so as in as in um your clock is running and um almost like being judged on your terms of in terms of fertility how what your window is and um um and it, it it kind of almost questions your identity as a woman and i mean from my personal experience and i think also from um from a south asian background it starts very early so your body clock is basically ticking when you hit your 20s so that might sound odd for the other for the western ear i'd say but it is quite normal for south asian women to have their children in their 20s and i mean i had my first child uh, when i was 27 so my my young one is now one year old i basically revealed my age (laughs) (laughs) Um, and funnily this is considered late i mean I, i got married very early uh, and that's also a normal thing. I mean, I know this body clock thing is also then related to relationships and who is doing what and how far they are in, re- in their relationships because, of course, no one is going to get a comment, most likely not going to get a comment on body clock if they're not in a in a relationship. That's mm. very normative. Mm. Of course, you don't have to. Yeah. Um, have, I mean, some people have the view that you don't have to have some sort of partnership to have a child. So... I mean, going back to the beginning, it depends on the context, on your society, um, what kind of values and cultural values, but also like moral values maybe you've brought up with. Um, So in my personal experience, I'll wrap it up and then I'll let others speak. (laughs) No worries. Uh, (laughs) I think... um, what I always felt like it's almost like um, there's always a judgment on you and um, in terms of uh, you should have children, you should not have children, why you're not having children, uh, why do you not want to have children, how could you not have children and stuff like that. So um, these questions, I mean, they start, they start very early and I think it's almost cruel on women. I had these experiences because I've been married for so long and literally a month after, I'm not joking, this is not a joke, a month after my marriage, I was like, ah, do we have any good news? Oh my God. (laughs) And I was terrified. I was literally hurt, terrified, heartbroken, 
I mean, I'm able to talk about this now because it's way back, like seven years ago, but this is very cruel. I think this is when people do this to other women and it's mostly women who do it. This is the painful thing. Uh, mostly, I'm, I'm. I'm not sure. I ha it's my that that's how it was in my personal experience. But um, yeah, judgment. I'd say forty o'clock judgment. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's funny because the way that um you like introed it, I'll call you Claire, not Baron. <laughs> I'll probably switch back to Baron. Um, like I feel like i my response is like the two questions that you'd posed before are very different emotionally and for the body clock one i feel like it's something that for me has come very naturally and that luckily i haven't had a ton of that like judgment associated with it although i totally agree that for so many people it's there um i feel like um I've always wanted, and I do associate really with being a woman and it's specifically about like relationships and kids and sort of like the quote unquote normal time or normal progression. Um, but I think because I've always wanted that, like literally when I was, a, my family jokes that like I was ready to be a mom when I was a toddler, I was just like that type of kid Aww. that was super nurturing and played with dolls. And then I was a first grade teacher. So it's just like something I've always wanted. Um, but I feel like if anything, I've wanted things earlier than my friends or earlier than my partner. Um, my mom had me when she was in her late or um, early 40s because she didn't think she wanted kids at all and then started to just like suddenly have dreams about babies and like all, it's all she could think about and like decided to have a kid. Um, so I feel like if anything, I sort of like I'm the odd woman out, but in the opposite um, end of things there. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And I think especially with my husband, it's been interesting because I've been like rearing to go like, you know, could have probably like started a family a few years ago. And for him, he's always wanted to be a dad, but it's been much like slower and more hesitant, like being scared of some of those next steps. Um, and I think he's much less tied to societal expectations. Like I wouldn't say that's my driving factor, but I think I'm definitely like, uh, I don't know, kind of like allured by it. Like there's certain <laughs> things that I like, like buy into um, about weddings or being a mom. And he just like, doesn't care what other people's timing or expectations are, like what society mm. would expect for him. So I think if anything, it's been me, like my body clock, like pushing me along being like, I'm ready for this next step. And then having to have conversations with him about like what that means for us as a couple. So. Mm. Yes, Sarah, did you want to say something? I saw you like nodding. I, I, I actually totally agree with Sadie that that I, I haven't thought about it from that angle. I felt I felt like I went on to the whole picture, but if you're specifically talking about personal experience, it does, you, I mean, inside you do try to reflect of what you want for yourself. And I mean, I, I, I eventually went for that, for that step and I said, okay, I'm ready and I want to have a child now. Um, even though I, I still didn't feel ready. <laughs> but I think it's so interesting of how you explained it in terms of your relationship, because with us, it was always the other way around. And uh, my husband was always mm. like, oh, I'm ready to have children. I'm ready to have children. I was like, no, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. And um, I think this is probably to do with, uh, it's a bit difficult because I feel like from my personal experience, I always felt like I didn't want to be judged as a, um, as a as a as a Muslim woman in society, so I was like always afraid of that image with me and a push chair. So I was running from that, and I I didn't want it because I I actually just recently had an experience where people thought I couldn't talk to them, and oh. uh, they were like, yeah, the the, the, the carts, the yeah, the yeah. Thing. And I was always afraid of that to just be pushed down another social ladder. Because as a mom, you personally, of course, face a lot of struggles. I mean, being a mom is, is really hard, but the, the, your surroundings see you differently as well when you're a mom. So I felt like this was really interesting of the way you explained it. I, I really liked it. It was really good. It goes to show that like these narratives are really diverse. So people should be careful uh, <laughs> what they tell a woman.
thinking about body clock i'm aware of it and like the pressures of it but i don't think i really pay attention to it i think i have my own kind of clock to say um well like a timeline of when i would like to kind of achieve things and i always thought that by the age of 25 i'd like have my first child <laughs> i'm 25 now and i'm just nowhere <laughs> near ready went... <laughs> and then reflecting on it it's like wow i was so like delusional in school <laughs> in terms of thinking that do you know like when you have it's like the pressures of society you there's like an expectation that you do certain things at like certain ages in life and i just thought wow like doing a degree and like finishing it and then it's not you know it's not realistic for everyone to kind of yeah you're going to go to uni you're going to get a great job you're going to find the perfect man you're going to have a house you're going to have kids like that's how it's kind of portrayed that those kind of things just kind of happen and you get the white picket fence at the end and i just thought wow i am just so far from ready to have like a child um my mom had me when she was 35 and she had my brother when she was 25 and my brother's the eldest mm-hmm. and my youngest sister is I think she was born when my mom was 38. So I always see that as my window. Like I've got until 38 to kind of pop out the first one. <laughs> That's what I tell myself. That's really what I tell myself. Ideally 35, uh, that was the age my mom had me, but I thought I could push it till I'm about 38. And I think hearing stories of women that are like, um, re- like when I say really old, but older women who have had kids later on in life, it's like, wow who cares about the body clock because they've just proven that it's it's just a work of fiction like that for some women like a body clock isn't it's a it's a real thing in terms of um they may have um something genetic where they actually have to it's better for them to have their kids earlier um due to like health complications that could arise if they have it later in life so i do understand that for some women the body clock is literally a real thing um but for me, I just feel like I don't really pay attention to it. I'm more focused on kind of getting myself ready to actually have a child where I'm financially stable. I have a house I can drive and I can kind of provide. So I'm trying to ignore the pressures. But I feel like the pressure doesn't come from the body clock or my timeline. It comes from everybody else having kids and just like, oh, my God, tiny humans. And they're so cool and cute. And then I just want like my own tiny person. And it's just like, yeah, but you just can't afford it. And Sarah doesn't help because when we see you, Gibran, it's like, oh, oh, my God, God. I'm all of these. <laughs> I mean, the, oh, sorry, sorry, what are you saying? Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say that um, I think I live through other people. So, like, the more people around me have kids, it's like, well, I just trade your kid is my kid. And then I don't feel the pressure of needing to have this is what this reminded me of okay so basically like i feel like you're very good aunts and like how you you always remember their birthdays you like uh have photos of them you tell us like you know what you do with them and then when you interacted with little gibran i was like oh my god you you really know how to interact with kids and when people have said to me like oh you'll be like a good mother or like strange i'm like but how do you know i think that (laughs) makes you've never seen me interacting (laughs) i think i think that's what makes it harder is because when i'm like around my godchildren it's like oh do you know when it just encourages you more to like want them um but definitely the oldest one um i know i'm not ready just because of how much kind of i was how much work went into raising her because i'm not her parent but before i went to uni like i used to look after her like every other weekend because her parents were really busy um so she was three or three years old when i went off to uni so for like the three years of her life i was there for almost everything like talking the potty um training oh, like saying okay. oh my god i used to go to bed with anxiety because i was like this kid's gonna piss on me in the night and i don't want to change my sheets so i used to like wrap her in a towel it was so bad because like at least you can kind of like wet through layers that won't get to me <laughs> um <laughs> And like her first school play, like just everything, you know, the first everything. And I really thought, yeah, I'm not, I couldn't do this full time. I'm nowhere near prepared to do this full time. Um, and now the younger ones come along and she's one. It's like, see, I'm at a point now where like this could, I could have had a child at this point to say there's a 10 year age gap between, well, nine years between the first and the second. It's like, I really did have enough time to kind of like get, get my act together. And it's like, everyone around me is just having kids. And I think that's why it comes across that I'm good with kids is because I just come from a big family and I'm, I'm known as the babysitter. I mean, I'm you, usually... you are though. 
You are. Yeah. We've seen you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's still nerve-wracking, though, because I can always hand them back. They go back to where they came from. <laughs> but when it's yours, it's like, oh, i got to keep you. Keep you for the night. <laughs> Sarah's just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, um, like, when I was, because I'm kind of, like, the youngest in my family. And so, like, when I was growing up, you know, I was always the youngest. So I didn't really have to take care of anyone. So, to me, I was always really scared of children until like I started working as a teacher and actually like teaching children. And I think that's when I actually started to feel like, oh, I really do want children in the future. And and then that's when I started to think more about the idea of like, oh, the body clock and like, oh, you know, when is my window for when I can have children? Um, and I think I kind of think of it the same way as Sabrina does. You know, I kind of looked at, you know, my, my mom had me, I think when she was like 34. So, you know, I always think about like, okay, around like mid thirties is maybe around the time that, you know, I should maybe start having children. So I've kind of been using that as kind of like my benchmark in my head, (laughs) but you know, still, I just feel like, I don't know. And I don't feel like having a partner is necessarily uh, necessary to have children. Uh, But I do think that having a stable environment is very important. So having a financially stable environment and having a stable environment to bring up a child. Um, so I mean, like, I mean, when I was a kid, I kind of moved a lot. And I think that it is quite hard for a child to move a lot as well. So I think like would want to have like, no, I would be in one place for a long time and be able to take care of them and really devote, you know, my full attention and love to them. So I always kind of think of like, okay, well, it's, not really, I don't want to be limited by the body clock. I want to be just thinking about like, well, what are the right circumstances for this child to grow up with love, you know? And then if, if in the end I have to adopt or something else happens, then that's what happens at that point. But I don't want to have a child before I'm ready just because I feel the pressure of like, oh, I need to have this child earlier, you know? So that's why I kind of think about it that way. And then also, you know, it does help seeing my nephew now. I kind of feel like I have a little bit less pressure now because now that my sister has a son, I'm like, okay, we already have a young one in the family. <laughs> like, we're yeah. bring, like, we have a next generation. If I don't have children, that's fine. Like, you know, it's, all right. it's already taken care of. <laughs> so, and, you know, I can just like spoil my nephew to, to bits and it's all right. I don't need to, don't need to have a child. <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we'll we'll see what happens in the future. I kind of just want to take it forward, just like, you know, see each step as it comes. And if I feel ready at that time, then I want to do it. But I don't want to do it before I'm ready. You know. I mean, I think what, in terms of body clock, what I'm most concerned about is more, I guess, like more like the biological clock to be more specific. Mm. specific. So obviously, like, you know, like I'm getting into my 30s now. I am more like oh, this is, this is getting more real, this is getting more real. I don't really feel the pressure per se. And I know like close friends around me are <laughs> pregnant or have kids. And it, it's like, it's great, but it's weird because I, I don't, I don't even know. I think I have a lot of like mental struggles because I like my life now. Um, I want to develop more of my career. I have a lot of other like, I think obstacles before I can start to like consider deeply what it means to be a mother and all of that jazz. How am I supposed to protect them from the outside world or whatever? And also my kid will be mixed race. And it's like, I'm not mixed race. So then I start to like (laughs) go down to like the what ifs and all that. And it's just so incredibly difficult. It's like a whole spiral. But obviously, like you're not. My mom was saying, like you're you're never truly ready. <laughs> you're never. And Sarah, you you agreed with this. So I, I just I just don't know. But all I know right now is that it's just getting. It's just feeling more real. And when people talk about like their kids doing whatever I'm like oh that means I won't be able to do xyz if you know I have like a little kiddo like running around that's because like societally like you're like whenever we talk about this Mm. I feel like you know when you talk about leading into our next question like when you talk about pregnancy or like body clock or whatever or like periods or whatnot it's it's very like a gendered conversation it affects all genders, but it's extremely gendered. And if you bring it up, it's like, oh, ew, no, that's taboo or whatever. And I just don't know like how to navigate these topics, I think. You're only supposed to talk about it with your girlfriends and like your mom and your aunts. And that's like it, you know? So I just find it really strange. And I'm actually kind of, I'm actually scared of pregnancy. I know it's natural, mm-hmm. but you can never predict what your body 
might do. And I think, um, Sarah, you're not the first one. I asked a few of my friends, I was like, what does it mean? Like, how does describe, wait, rate your pregnancy by period pain. And they're like, <laughs> it's like 10 <laughs> times a period of pain. Birth. Sorry, say that again. Are you talking about the pregnancy pain? Or the pregnancy pain oh. lead and and birth rate uh birth wow. rate, what am i saying sorry giving birth and everyone was like it's like 10 times a period pain and i was like oh my god i can't even conceptualize uh. the pain There's so to explain i mean um in terms of like how i would rate it i would definitely i don't want to scare you but i don't think it's 10 times it's definitely more oh great <laughs> But the thing is, it should be not even longer for 24 hours if you think max. Then it goes away. It's not like you know that you. The funny thing is, you know that your period is going to come every month, and still it's painful every single time, right? It's not like you you do know the pain, but Mm. you still know that you're going to go through it, and it's still going to be awful. But you're still going to feel horrible. Um, And uh, when I walk, when I when I went out of the the hospital the day after I had given birth, I said I am never ever going to step into that labor room again. And here I am again, four months pregnant. So <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is I feel like my sister, for instance, she said uh, to me like we human or maybe human bodies are actually conceptualized to forget mm. pain. Yeah, yeah. If they associate some sort of like happy memory as well with it so it, it is um yeah i mean i do remember it's very painful and i said to myself no, i'm not gonna do this to myself again but then i thought okay i don't want my child to be an only child i really wanted to have a sibling at least one and then yeah here i am but i do totally get your fears because i when i got pregnant i was really really scared and like being scared i think is part of it because it's something that you don't know and we're almost we're always i think that's a human instinct that one is afraid of something that one doesn't know i mean why are we afraid of the dark because we can't see things mm, well, i mean yeah. right so, so if 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 we lit up the same room it wouldn't be scary anymore so I mean, Ooh, poetic. <laughs> no, I'm honestly, and I think uh, that that's how, what it is. But I think, in terms of body clock, and coming back to your question, I feel like what Sadie said in, in the in the beginning with with this natural process. I feel like there is something in in our instinct and in our biology that we're kind of designed to cope with things and wanting things I mean I can't really explain my experience and my decisions for pregnancy with my body clock because I didn't feel ready but when I talk to my for example my sister my elder sister she's nine years older than me and she is now 38 and she's got a lot of friends who don't have children right at that age and she explains like this really interesting experience of a friend of hers who is now desperate have children Mm. like desperate desperate and it is it can be a very biological thing as well where women do feel the urge that they have to procreate because it is some sort of like i mean we're in the end we're kind of we're we're animals and not animals but we're like i don't know how to say it but you know (laughs) what i mean we're we're we want we have this natural instinct to to procreate so Come back to the body clock thing. So I do think that there's something instinct, sort of natural behind this whole process as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Cope with things as well. I feel like that maybe I'm being biased here, but I feel like for women that's absolutely true. And at least judging from my husband as my like one male research suspect, he's like that natural thing I feel like kicks in after birth like like when they're like physically holding the baby looking at the baby like I literally like I like all of the emotions and energy behind having a kid at least for me and like who I am like it's there now um and I'm actually terrified that when I do get pregnant if I had a miscarriage or a loss of some sort like it would just like rip me apart because I think like literally the minute I see a positive pregnancy test like my whole heart is gonna be that little being um and I think for my husband he said like 
like in theory I want a kid I've always wanted to be a dad but like like he doesn't have that same connection and I think from other people I've heard it's like it's it's just like they need to see it or have the rush of hormones or whatever it is that like comes when you have a kid um but I also think I was Sarah as you were talking you were talking about like the unknown and you know sort of like like walking into the the dark and I think that's been a big thing with us as well is like my husband was so scared of this and I think part of it and part of him not being ready was related to um and I think this is true for a lot of women as well is like wanting to like get everything in line so that you're ready or like do all of the things so that you're ready and I think part of the thing is you're never going to be ready like you could be the most caring person you know the most organized person and it's still going to be messy and you're still going to cry all the time and like your body's going to do all kinds of weird things that you you know didn't know were possible and um I think like those were a lot of the conversations that I had with him like almost scaring him intentionally to be like like it's just it's gonna be a mess and it's gonna be beautiful and it's gonna be horrible and like you know like Mm -hmm. you're not gonna be able to no list is gonna like get you ready for that Mm um I don't know if that makes sense but I think like some of my excitement for it is not that I think it's gonna be picture perfect it's just like the recognition that hopefully the sum of all of the parts is like more positive than it is scary or complicated, I guess. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, I mean, I probably will have a list anyway, even though I know it won't help. I mean, you know me. I'm the most type A person you'll know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I was actually chatting to my mom about how, like, because now I think the plus side is if you have, like, an ailment or whatnot, you can kind of, like, look it up. And there's, like, uh, mommy forums and, you know, whatnot, which is fantastic. But then it's, like, information overload, so it makes you, like, overanalyze things. But, like, my mom didn't really have those guides. They just had, like, word of mouth and advice, which is probably, like, she was just, like, no, it was way simpler. So (laughs) easy. So I feel like I'm already, like, pre-getting overwhelmed by the research that I probably will have to, which just honestly, it makes no sense. But even with all of this, even given my fears and like anxiety and whatnot, I feel like, like, like personally, I feel like I'm going to deeply regret it if I don't at least try to have a child. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't know why. I, do. I think <laughs> one of the other things that kind of scares me about being pregnant or I don't know, I just feel weird about it. It's just like having another life inside of you like that type of concept to me it just feels like very weird like kind of like I don't know like an alien when he has the alien in his stomach like (laughs) I'm sorry but that's like what I always think about and like I don't like I always feel badly bringing it up when people are like oh I'm ready I'm excited I'm like I don't know it just feels strange to me like when my sister was first getting really excited about it like I was like, I'm excited for you, but also like it like it just it feels like such a weird and foreign idea to me to like have something else inside your body. Yeah, like it's in here. Like, yeah, like <laughs> I don't know. It just and probably like you feel a lot different when it actually happens to you. Like it feels a lot more natural. But like me as someone who's never been pregnant, like trying to conceptualize it in my head, it just feels very bizarre. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> Did it feel weird? <laughs> I totally agree. I think that once, if you think about, if you think, I find it in the beginning, I, I, I felt like the same way, but I felt like mm. that bizarreness, is that even a word? Um, yeah. It has changed into some sort of fascination almost. Mm. Because it is very fascinating if you think about it, that there are two lives in one but they're they're operating separately but still connected mm-hmm. there's no blood exchange but still everything is getting exchanged i do find it like from a biological perspective it is crazy like, <laughs> yeah. like wow crazy like bizarre crazy as well mm-hmm. wow crazy as well like whoa like evolution did something really amazing here <laughs> so yeah I mean, it is so normal that we don't really think about it, but it is very fascinating and like how it actually works that a new life can just come from nothing, right? Mm. So yeah, just, yeah. I don't know, Sabrina wanted to say something and I interrupted. All I was going to say is um, I think, I don't think it would feel weird having like another 
well, like a creature inside you, because that's how I think of it. <laughs> that's how I think of it is like it's like a creature. Um, I think I have like a bit of fear. I think having to look after something just so tiny and it's like mm. you be mindful of everything that I do not like I'm a reckless person I just go through life kind of walking into things and being dangerous but just <laughs> just knowing that like you've got to because you don't think about surviving every day in terms of oh my god when I go to the shop I've got to be extra careful when I'm cr-. like you're not you, you're not really that that vigilant over your own life so to speak but having another um like being that you have to protect that's that's when you become a like high alert of everything because you just don't want anything mm-hmm. to like affect your tiny person um and I feel like after I've had a child I know that I'm gonna probably be scared until the child can like talk <laughs> because yeah just because of how small they are like with every child that's been born in my family I've refused to hold them until they can sit up and like support their own neck like I don't want that responsibility of like supporting your child's neck I just don't want it and it wasn't until my first goddaughter was born and I was like basically frost her in my arms I was like oh my god I've got to like look after this this tiny person but she was able to kind of support herself so it wasn't that bad but then when my the last goddaughter came she was literally a baby and she was just given to me and like the fear that was inside me holding her like I was sweating because I was like oh my god she's literally a baby and I feel like once that baby is mine like I I don't want to be like one of those overprotective uh, mothers but I feel like I, I feel like I, I could get there in yeah, terms of the overprotectiveness yeah. and that's my fear I think when they're when they're born like I don't know if I'm gonna get any sleep and that's not because the baby is not getting any sleep that's because I'm scared to like close my eyes like oh my god yeah, you, need to, you need to be here in the morning breathing do you know like I don't I, like these <laughs> genuine that's why I know I'm not ready um and being around my cousin um he had his daughter when he was 20 um, and he's not with the the mother but just seeing how he has adapted to like being a father like I'm amazed every time I go home and I'm just like how do you do it like how did you know how to do this and I'm like watching him with her and to say that he's a guy and he's so much younger than me it's like well will will I will that twig for me will I just know how to do these things like is he's like a completely different person because of his daughter and I'm like wow I'm yeah I'm I, I cannot do what you're doing now I'm just so amazed by it and I women everywhere they just and fathers they deserve so much actually one thing I wanted another thing I wanted to um mention in terms of uh pregnancy and body clock is this judgment obviously there's judgment like when you are pregnant when you are a parent when you are a uh, woman or female identifying um but this judgment of bodies like really annoys me you know like as a woman you get judged for your body shape like throughout your childhood and it just exacerbates when you're pregnant and you give birth and after I mean I don't I don't want to admit this but I just remember very vividly Chloe or what's her name no Courtney Kardashian was trying to like get that body and I was like you look the same you look skinny before you look skinny after but she was trying to like set this like she was trying to be a role model to the moms who want to be skinny. I'd say. Exactly. And it's not healthy and she was fine, but it's also that societal pressure put on her as well. But, and uh, I, I like to say that I don't want to subscribe to that standard, but if it's all around you, I feel like that's going to get me down as well. Like you can't help it. Like it's all around you. So just wanted to talk about that and how <laughs> messed up it is. I think, it, it, I think, I think it's like, you can't win as a, yeah. as, as a woman. I feel like, you can do whatever you want. There's always going to be a voice that's going to say something against you. So, oh, why did you not have children? Um, okay, you had children and why are you still big and uh, whatnot? I mean, I still wear my maternity clothes. Even like, I mean, okay, I'm pregnant at the moment, but even <laughs> after, after birth, I was still wearing my maternity clothes because firstly, they were very comfortable. And secondly, the baby comes out of you, but that doesn't mean that your body, it, it looks still pregnant. Like when you, when you, you look pregnant after birth because your, your body basically just produced a new human. I mean, yeah. <laughs> forget that. 
<laughs> yeah, that you just like literally delivered new life to this world and now you're just supposed to be all back to normal i mean yeah. my body's never been the same ever since and i find it very very weird to expect that it should be because it's not the same it's not the same i i there's a human now before there wasn't so <laughs> but apparently it's so so normal to be fit and back and up, up like i don't know i mean it is like that now i, I added i think yeah. two sizes but i mean that's just how it is and i i tried to lose weight in the beginning but why should i lose weight when i'm looking after this little child breastfeeding that child that could be so straining on the body as well and i it's just so i find it very heartbreaking again that it's just always this judgment of oh I remember someone in my family saying, I can't even remember who it was. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should get back on track straight away, you know, because you're just going to put on lots of pounds. I was like, okay. Uh, who are you to tell me? yourself? Like, that's what I thought, but I'm, I didn't say it. But um, <laughs> so bodies, definitely. That That's the that's the key. Yeah, I mean. Sabrina, did you want to? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's weird because when I was when I was younger, when I was in secondary school, and I used to talk to my friends about like when we're older, we're gonna have kids, and I was like, ah, oh, I'm gonna like start a savings account called like the pregnancy repair kit, and like I'll just put money in there. So then after I've had my baby, I've got the finances to kind of get my gym membership and get myself back into shape. And like reflecting on it now, I just thought, wow, is that real? Like, who even comes up with with that idea? Actually, really cute. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to be I was just trying to be prepared and I was saying to my friend this could be like a real thing like imagine women like save beforehand prepared themselves before pregnancy but then kind of following different um people online and seeing kind of what they've gone through with uh, pregnancy and especially on Snapchat with like Chrissy Teigen and there's a model I can't remember her last name is it Ashley Graham or something like that I feel oh, like oh yeah Ooh, I like her yeah, yeah yeah and just seeing the comments and the abuse they get online because of their bodies and especially Ashley like but her and Chrissy Teigen get ripped to shreds over their body and their approaches to parenting I think and breastfeeding and it's just made me reflect on kind of all these ideals around pregnancy I had in like my, my own viewpoint and like it's like you've said Sarah after you've kind of produced a tiny human like you need a break no one's got time to kind of get back into it and if, if that's something that you want to do then fine but I feel like you should just kind of be left to um to kind of do what you need to do it's like when you play sims you, you've got to balance all these different things in terms of ma maintaining your, yeah in terms of maintaining yourself like Sims is is a real is a good representation of how hard it is to like maintain your social life, um, true, working, actually. cleaning your house, looking after yourself. Like there's so much that you've got to do, but then you've got to times it by two because you've got to do this for for a person that can't do it for themselves. And if you struggle to do it for well, not even struggle to do it yourself when you think you've got a lot to put into yourself, and then you got to put it into someone else. You can't do all the added stuff that everyone expects you to do like we're not octopuses i think people assume that you've got all these different hands that once you've popped out a baby that you're superwoman and you can do everything else which some some women really really are i feel like sabrina and Serge, what both of you just shared made me think of a recent conversation i was having um i've had to go to physical therapy for something like totally unrelated to all of this i had a hip surgery earlier this year and my physical therapist happens to also be a pelvic floor therapist so basically does a lot of work with like women who are either having difficult pregnancies or like afterwards and she was saying to me like there's this huge drop off like you know you're literally until you have a baby like you're going to the doctor every week you're monitored you're being taken care of and then like you have the baby and everything's about the baby and you're exhausted and your entire body has changed mm. and then like literally there's no follow-up like she said unless you advocate for it I think maybe Sarah, there's like maybe a six week checkup or something. It's just like, yeah. Oh. Really, I I didn't even have a proper checkup, but that's a different story. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, but so like she was saying, it's like you know, like you just forget that this woman who is also a human being has gone through this like life changing shift, 
her body is still healing. She's dealing with all of like the emotions of, of having a child and like the joy, but also how hard that can be and exhausting. And then like not getting any of that support. And she was also just saying physically, like literally every woman should be getting pelvic floor therapy and those other check-ins, like in order to like strengthen and basically just like get you back to, you know, a point where you're like comfortable and healthy. And so that was just like really striking and interesting to me and I think I don't know if this is accurate but I think she was saying especially in um America it's like particularly atrocious so I don't know I'm kind of curious like where you all are how that feels but judging from your faces doesn't seem (laughs) particularly well handled I I didn't even know about that because it's not talked about I had no idea well I, I had an inkling but it's never been confirmed that's crazy I think I'm not surprised oh about America just because I watched. All right, um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, it, because I watched um, this clip online where this guy was basically asking people in the UK how much something costs in America. Oh, I saw that clip. And yeah. um, I think it was the pregnancy one, like how much it costs to actually have a baby, and um, the cost goes up if you decide to have like a cesarean or something like that. Yeah. And I'm not surprised that women wouldn't like get a checkup after because if you think that I've just spent almost two grand trying to get like trying to have my baby (laughs) like I'm paying to have my own child uh that yeah saying that alone that's just so twisted uh that wouldn't have the kind of in the UK would you I mean I feel like I know I'm I'm always like after the NHS I mean but um the, the NHS really need to up their game in terms of thinking about women aftercare because they said I would have a six-week checkup something but I literally went to the GP and the GP asked me a few questions and that was it that wasn't really looked after and anything and I I mean I mean I know that there are countries who are doing way better I mean I can only talk about the experience that I I have from from Germany and the health system is quite good there I, I know but there are other countries who are doing much better than Germany as well. But there's something called um, Rückbildungskurs, which is basically exactly something like what you just said, Sadie, um, like a pelvic floor therapy, but it's it's for the whole body of like postpartum body. Um, and that is paid by the um, by the insurance. Oh, sorry, that was my laptop. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Um, that, that is paid by the insurance, the health insurance that everyone has to have there. Wow. And it's compulsory for women to do. They have to do it. Um, so good. And it, it, it actually helps. I mean, I have a friend who was a midwife in Germany and she kept saying, oh, have you started your Rotterdam's course? And I was like, oh, there is nothing like this here. And I was like, what? How is that possible? And I was like, yeah, I could potentially find something. I mean, I was also unlucky to have a baby within this pandemic. But um and everything was kind of shut but there i think if you put out the money you can still find things that's mm. always like health yeah, is money money is health <sighs> but, but yeah. you're so it's like you have to know to search for it or advocate yeah. for it or like happen to talk to the right person that you yeah. know gives you a recommendation or pay for it whereas it should be like your the healthcare system is holding you through that process and guiding you through i mean i think this is i do want to that's that's why i think it's important for us to keep talking about this i think it is i was trying to say earlier that these conversations kind of like shuffled aside like Mm -hmm. that's like woman talk like this affects (laughs) the entire society are you joking i didn't even know like pelvic thrust therapy was did I know? I probably heard about it, but I didn't know like it was like essential. And I always hear like postpartum, like depression, that kind of thing. But I've never heard of like aftercare, even though that was offered. I thought like you just have to take I mean, care of your body. You actually touched upon a very important subject. I mean, women are not cared after for physically, but also not mentally as well. I mean, there is a lot of talk around it, but is there actually something done about it? That That's the question. Like, so uh, talking about like um, losing weight and bodies, it also kind of reminds me of a story that I heard from my friend mm-hmm. uh, who's pregnant in Japan. And she was talking about how like her doctor is kept like pressuring her not to gain a lot of weight during the pregnancy. Oh, and she was okay. kind of like, well, 
I'm just gonna gain weight like sorry I'm not like <laughs> but they were like you can only gain like this amount of weight and you shouldn't gain this much and you should like go back to this weight like after the birth or like okay. during this time and stuff and so she was saying it was like really frustrating and like I know, and there's also, like, the question, too, of, like, you know, because she's American, so, like, is it different for American bodies versus, like, Japanese bodies? Like, you know, like, are there different, like, guidelines that should be put into place? Like, I don't know. So, I don't know. So, just that kind of pressure of, like, even from medical professionals, you know, about, like, oh, you should be this weight, you know, for women. I think that's... You know, very harmful, especially when it's coming from a trusted source that, you know, you trust to give you good information about your health. So, so I I think that is one thing that I think is very, you know, heartbreaking. And then the other thing I was thinking of is when we were talking about postpartum, you know, like postpartum depression really is like the only thing that we hear about, right? So it's just like this negative thing that's built up, you know, so... No, no, I felt like it kind of like, it, it sort of like emphasizes to like how we kind of expect the experience for the mother afterwards to be sort of like, you know, negative and just <laughs> yeah. expect the mother to not really be cared for, which is, I think, also not a good. <laughs> yeah, actually, my mom teaches a course on one of her well she taught in the u.s as well but it's like um how within like the medical profession how to look out for cultural biases because there Mm. were lots of studies done on how like white doctors would give like certain um to no one's surprise like certain let's just say certain measurements to like poc patients and even like poc doctors would give certain you know so that that does factor into it, but it's just that when you go to a hospital, especially with something delicate like giving birth, you know, you're exhausted. So you like trust the medical professional to give you the best advice possible. Mm-hmm. But then like when they're kind of like, you should be at X weight right now. And why wait later? Like we're not robots. So like, where do you turn to? That's like what I'm kind of struggling. What resource do you turn to besides private healthcare? But even within private healthcare, their cultural biases and like microaggressions and all of that. So I'm like, where is the help? <laughs> like the internet. <laughs> but, ah, <Yay>. yeah. <laughs> I think ah. YouTube, YouTube is such a good source of like information. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a YouTube and she really kind of opened my eyes up to certain things to do with pregnancy. And she said, um, one thing they don't tell you is that um when the baby leaves the hospital in a nappy, so do you. Like, no one prepares you for that. And, and this is a real thing, because obviously your body's gone through, gone through so much. But she says that it's these kind of things that she would have liked to have kind of known before she'd kind of gone into hospital and gave birth, just so she could have mentally prepared herself. She says that she wasn't prepared in the slightest. So, like, when it came to that moment, she was like, wow, this is really kind of what it's come to. Whereas she would have felt a lot better if someone had kind of informed her um, on that before. And definitely, I think with healthcare professionals, um, like you said, Claire, like, they're supposed to be that trusted person. And I don't think they should ever comment on a pregnant woman's weight unless their weight is harmful to the child, unless it's going to be harmful to your pregnancy and cause complications i don't think they should ever comment on it yeah. because it it unless it's a problem it's not it should be left uh, left like, alone, leave us alone. Yeah. yeah and i think i definitely have anxieties about giving birth in hospital um i've over the years i've definitely developed a fear of hospitals and gp surgeries like it takes a lot for me to book a gp appointment and um i think there's such a negative stigma around black women and pregnancies and kind of and it doesn't help when you know people that have had negative experiences with pregnancies so like yeah i just i I think if I was to kind of um, give birth, it'd definitely be private. I think I would go private just for my own peace of mind and sanity. I think unless I'm going private, it'd be a home birth where I can control all the factors in my house. Uh, I know people say, oh, it's good to kind of be in hospital where they've got the machines and they've got the monitors. Yeah, but when there's people that you don't know who you can trust and you don't know if they've actually got your well-being 
at home you might as well just be at home where you're comfortable instead of being in an environment where you've got anxiety because the feeling's still going to be the same Mm. um but yeah I think when yeah there's a lot of fears I I think people put so much pressure on women to have kids but like there is a lot like emotionally and mentally that Mm. actually goes into kind of having a child but like the whole process with it that's my because actually that's exactly what I was thinking about because no one thinks about the after effects on your life as well I mean having that child is is I mean is a blessing I find I feel blessed but that that doesn't mean it turns your life upside down and everything that you have your dreams your aspirations everything that you want to do in your life or it's almost expected I mean from my personal experience it's it's just whenever I I I mean, some people, not all people, but some people are like my husband is, for example, very supportive in terms of looking after the baby. And I mean, we do this together. It's not just me and him. We do this together. But there are people who think that I should focus on the children and uh, or on the kid. I've just got one yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or, or it, it's almost my duty to do that. And mm. I need to have my own dreams and my own, own aspirations would all, almost be neglectful or almost be irresponsible of me to, to do that. And it's, again, that layer of judgment and that layer of expectations that, that are put on women in terms of what they should do with their lives. And I mean, there's this one topic that I felt like we didn't really speak about, but I, I, for instance, have a friend who um, wanted to have children since she got married and she wasn't able to have children and she thought she's never going to have children. So I feel like in this whole conversation, fertility is also like something that society is so neglectful of. And it's it's very painful for for a woman who really wants to have children and is is not able to have children at some, I mean, I'm really happy for her. She is actually, she's actually pregnant and she's going to she's gonna have a baby she's super happy and um but i mean the the experience that she went through just that um not knowing of being able to have a a a baby that in itself had such an such an impact on her identity as a woman that she almost felt like she wasn't even given the status of a woman because Mm -hmm. she was a child so that is really like something i feel really is a topic that is rarely talked about because our, our identities as women is almost tied to motherhood. We wouldn't be seen as real women, in quotations marks, uh, if we couldn't produce a child. So I, I find that very intriguing of what that says about our society and what that says about us as women. Um, and um, I mean, in terms of your own experiences and like infertility is of course another subject but there are women who don't want to have children and that's that's also another story because if they don't want to have the uh, children then then that that means that they should be left with that decision and it should be respected it should be not judgmental but it's just always that pressure again on when it's like oh it's time for you I mean have them now or you don't know if you're going to be able to have them later again body clock so coming back to where we started and like this is what really bothers me because women should be able to decide about their own bodies of what they mm-hmm. want to do and if they want to do something if they want to have that child then that they should have the sport around them and if they don't want to have that child then the sport should still be around them so that's really like some message that I would like to end with and I feel like the autonomy of our body on top of our body sorry (laughs) I mean we should have autonomy over our own bodies and what we want with them and of course with the sport around the people that that are around us so yeah I feel like my mind was going to very similar like places as we were sort of talking and I think for me one of the things that I just like really appreciate about having this type of space whether I mean we're on a podcast right now but like with friends is just like normalizing the spectrum of experiences that people have whether it's like do you want kids or not are you having trouble conceiving are you you know like the whole range of what that means um I think that like even among women 
there's so much and maybe this is caused by society but like secrecy and shame and like hiding the real experiences and promoting this like very unrealistic quote-unquote normal experience um like of the friends that I have that are at in a place where they like are starting to think about kids I can literally not think of a single one that has had like what you would typically think of as a normal pregnancy whether it's like it's been really difficult to get pregnant or they're at a place where they really want it but they don't have a partner in their life or like they got pregnant incredibly easily but then struggled with postpartum anxiety and it was like crippling Mm. um and I don't say that to say it's all like negative or scary but I just think it's so important to talk about the full range of like what it looks like and where people are um and I think, I can't remember, Claire, I think it might have been you at the beginning, um, but somebody said something like, you know, you never know what somebody's going through. Oh, and yeah, so I saw people that, yeah. are constantly asking, like, oh, you know, are you going to have a baby? Are you ready? And just, like, not knowing everything that might be going on in a person's dynamic. Um, and it's funny because, like, this whole conversation, I haven't mentioned this, but I think on a prior podcast I had mentioned or um that I am going through the IVF process intentionally to do genetic testing. Um, so I basically was born with a condition that I only recently learned it's actually possible to like do testing on an embryo before and then um, transfer one that won't have the condition. And the decision-making process on that was like a whole other thing that I don't need to get into. But I think it's like, I've had this, um, like tried to be really intentional about being open about that even though I think it's something that mm. often is like um I don't know like embarrassing or a taboo or something mm-hmm. um and for me it's felt so important like I've actually told people at work like I've been I think some people would think it's sort of like weird how open I am um but at least for me it's felt important to like yeah. normalize that and the number of people that have responded with like I went through that too, or, you know, might be for different reasons, like might be for fertility issues or something like that. But it's just like very relieving and helpful to hear. And so I guess I just, yeah, I think it's important to talk about these things. And like the more that other people are willing to be open, I think is so helpful to me. And so hope that I can like add little bits of that to other people's journeys as well absolutely yeah yeah I completely agree like I really love how we can just talk about so many different experiences here and that we can really just think about like well there are so many different ways that someone can approach this and feel about it and you know we're not all the same and we should recognize that and you know it it makes it so much easier I think when you you know that like oh somebody else actually has these same types of feelings as you or have gone through the same types of struggles you're like you just you don't feel as alone you know it's like okay good like (laughs) all right we're all struggling with this all right it's not just me (laughs) so no yeah so I really agree with what you said and I also feel that like you know putting so much pressure on women to have children before they're ready I mean not only is it incredibly disrespectful to women kind of just you know saying like oh your only value is if you're a mother but also like I feel like it's very harmful to children if you know they're born into like you know environments that maybe didn't want to have children yet or they weren't ready you know but then they were pressured into it I mean so I think that it is better for both the mother and the child you know to just let them wait until they they feel that they're comfortable and in a good place to do it you know I mean you're never entirely ready but you know at least you can try to provide like uh, a good environment and be in a good place mentally as you can before having a child and I think that is important you know like when I was a teacher I always felt like it's very important because you know these children that I'm teaching they're going to be the next generation things that I do stay with them for a long time and it's like I wasn't even a mother I was just a teacher you know so when you're a parent bringing up a child it's like you do have a lot of responsibility and you know maybe you won't get it right all the time but I feel like it is part of your responsibility to try your best and to really you know approach it with love so I'll put Sabrina anything else um yeah I think my final points are that um even though pregnancy and kind is spoke about a lot, it tends to be all negative. 
So even though there's lots of discussions going on, it's not like healthy discussions or positive discussions. And I think that um, people just need to be more supportive to someone on their journey, whether or not they want to become a mom or not, or the process or the steps that they're taking to become a mom. I think everyone just needs to be more supportive. I think it really it was it really interesting um, what you've said, Sadie, because I remember at school, I think I, I was doing RE, so up until year nine or something like that. Um, so I, I just remember because you're in the US. What's, what's um, RE? Yeah, I'm, the, I'm just, I'm, you know, when I've said it and I've just thought, yeah, you guys are like, you're American, <laughs> you don't understand. So um, it's, it's um, religious education or oh, RS, right. religious oh. studies. Um, and did it around like four, 13, 14. And in the textbook, it was talking about IVF in terms of like religion and is it acceptable? Oh, and um, there was actually a section on genetics and um, being able to kind of test the embryo beforehand to, to like rule out anything. And like there was like a big like for and against debate about it in the textbook. And oh, like, because Sadie, you're the first person that I've met that's like gone through that process. And you know, like when you replay kind of how it's been taught to you, I think people just need to lay off kind of pregnancy if you're not pregnant or if you never had a kid don't be writing test textbooks on it and i think yeah. to include something like that in religious studies is just very inappropriate and i know like now i'm old enough and mature to kind of understand the different things that women experience the more i realize that something like that should not be in a textbook for, for a child to learn at school um yep as an example of saying like oh christians believe this and that and that you shouldn't do that i think it's totally inappropriate to have something like that in in the curriculum because like you said if you can provide a better life for your child um because they may not like not having that disability or not having um I wouldn't say something wrong but not having something like that yeah um why wouldn't you why wouldn't you do that because what society has shown us is that there is very little support for people with disabilities and the the rarer your disability is the less likely you are to get support so if you know that you've got something that's pretty much unheard of and there's not much information about it then why are you going to put potentially put your child through that if you can prevent it but people don't um they don't think about these things um yeah i totally agree with what you've said it, it does fall in, into into that um i think as well the assumptions people assuming things about women that are pregnant or assuming someone's reason for wanting to do ivf and um, i hate to use this family as an example but they're all, always all over the media so it's easy to kind of reflect on them but um yeah i know you're talking about the kardashians <laughs> yes, i feel I'm like i need to have like you know like sparkly music the kardashians because they're everywhere <laughs> yeah but um what's i was like what family <laughs> <laughs> what stands out for me is because there's so many of them they yeah. really do show you like a kind of a good picture of pregnancy well it's said say good picture of pregnancy you've got kylie the youngest who people say oh you're too young to have to have a child you've got kendall who has no children and surrounded by so many nieces and nephews and all over the internet you're like oh when when's she gonna have a child this and that um but what really stood out for me is the hate that Kim got for her last two kids. And a lot of the messages were like, oh, she's so rich that she she's too good for childbirth. So she paid a sur surrogate to have her final, her two kids. Oh, she didn't want to damage her perfect body going through childbirth. And there was a lot of hate when in actual fact, she was rec it was recommended to her by her doctor that she actually, um, the final two be by surrogate because her second child she had a really bad pregnancy and they said that if you go through another pregnancy naturally you could potentially either kill your child or kill yourself or both so like when people are quick to make assumptions on someone's decision for doing things you don't like um Claire and Sarah should have mentioned you don't know someone's background you don't know their reason for making these decisions and I think with something so kind of important with 
childbirth in terms of your bringing another human into the world like that is not an easy job and it's something that is really undervalued by society there's like little to no I wouldn't say little to no support but this in terms of different areas of society which gets a lot of lots lots of support I think pregnancy is definitely um at the bottom of the pile like when you look at third world countries and what women over there have to experience it's just like why are you sending bomb you're sending like weapons into countries you're doing all of this with countries you're dabbling in politics that you don't really need to get involved with in different countries um but you're not thinking about how their healthcare system is you're not you're not thinking about how the next generation of kids are actually going to survive in this society and i think that's it's actually scary when you think about kind of what's going in in society and how you're going to have to bring a child into this. It's, yeah. There's a lot more to unpack. We always barely scratch the surface because, it's, you know, it's not often we get to like have these conversations too. But yeah, thank, thanks so much for your time. And let's do this again.